You're going to edit all this, right? Are we recording? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that part will come out. Okay. That'll okay. be out. Because you just tuned in milk. Yeah. <laughs> that was cauliflower. Oh, man. Flame the cat. Flame all the right. cat. There you go. Testing. Now it's on me. Testing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well. Hopefully this works. Okay. So... We wanted to start this podcast because a few different reasons. One, I'm like, do we look at the camera or not? Let's <laughs> act like we're talking, guys. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to look at the camera. Okay, so we wanted to start it for a couple different reasons. One was because there's, you know, we're the no-kill people, but there's a lot of misconceptions about no-kill. People don't really know what that means. You know, we're not trying to go after shelters or anything. We're trying to be supportive. We're a supportive no-kill organization. And then the second reason is because all of us really care and love about this. And like I was saying earlier, we kind of come from different backgrounds. We're all different ages. And I think that's really cool. I think that offers a lot of good perspective. And thirdly... You guys are awesome, and I just just like hanging out together and talking. Absolutely. And we're all kind of like animal welfare nerds, so it'll be fun. I accept that title. <laughs> I, I do, too. <laughs> but I thought we would start um, by just talking about kind of why we got into this in the first place, why we stuck around. Um, yeah. Do you, do you guys want... Do you guys want to go first or? Sure, I'll go. Yes. My name is Jennifer and I am the administrative director and um, board member for Lifeline. And I have been doing animal welfare for about six years now and um, started out fostering and volunteering Um, I actually started out in wildlife um, with squirrels and raccoons and things like that and then moved over to neonate kittens and that's kind of my specialty is the kittens Um, and I stick around doing this because when no one else talks for the animals somebody's gotta gotta fight for them so um, yeah that's got to be a good enough reason so absolutely and why why do you like? Why do you think you have such a strong connection with animals? Have you always been that way? Like even when you were a kid? Yeah, I went. Bruce? <laughs> no, that was Brittany. Oh, Brittany? <laughs> Gosh, dog it. Um, yeah, I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was a kid, and um, so they all. We've always had animals growing up around the house. My mom actually, um, she was a breeder for exotic parrots. What? Growing I think up. you did tell me that. Like big macaws and... Oh, yes, um, you did tell me this. Yeah. Uh, Amazons and things like that. And so um, I've got a plethora of knowledge of different animals. And then, like I said, I went into wildlife, uh, volunteered at the Wildlife Center in Houston um, for a while and learned a lot there. Um, so I still remember the very first time I met you was after that volunteer um, orientation. And didn't you get your tooth knocked out or something? Yeah, the very first dog that um, <laughs> my son and I, my, I, I told the kids, I'm like, all right, which dog do you want to pick out? 
and we were so stoked to go get a dog out, you know, and we trot over there, and we're just thinking it's going to be as easy as, you know, y'all made it seem, and so, of course, my son picks out, out this, you know, beautiful German Shepherd mix, and, you know, I go to um, put the lead on him, and he jumps up, and he headbutts me, and chips my front tooth, and my tooth, on his tooth, and then hit, busts my lip open, and I'm bleeding, and the first thing I could think of is, I don't want all these other volunteers to see me bleeding on their first day. They're never going to come back. Aww. <laughs> so, um. You I'm, were so nice. You were just like, I'm so sorry. Like, she's like bleeding. <laughs> My tooth was chipped. I am. But we did end up um, going back and getting a couple other dogs out. But yeah, we headbutted each other. He was a jumper. Yeah. So. They do that. Yeah. I also think it's cool that your mom also, I've, I met Jen's mom for the first time a couple of weeks ago, which was fun, and that she also schedules yeah. spay-neuter. She's a, is she a volunteer? Yeah, well, she's, they have paid positions, but okay. it is a non-profit. Yeah, but, but she schedules all of the, uh, like, spay-neuter for this clinic, and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. It's like a generate, and now your daughter. She's been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, my and so she knows a lot. Years. Like That's she goes, cool. she deals with a lot of the same things mm. that Jen deals with. So yeah. yeah, mother and daughter. Yeah, and it's unfortunate in their area. This is in East Texas, in their area, their their high volume spay neuter is only one day a week, and yeah. so they're backed up so far. Oh yeah, um, it's just it's terrible, and it's um, it's really hard. It's yeah. really hard to see that, you know, where you grow up. They don't have a, a TNR program out there, so. But it is also rural, you know, yeah. and a lot of people have barn cats and stuff, but, um, yeah. I'm sure it does need a TNR program then, for sure. Pro- as probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. But, yeah, and then my daughter just started working at the um, Galveston Island Humane Society, so it's just kind I of hear all... through the grapevine that she's incredible. She's pretty awesome, yeah. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. She's obviously grown up and helped with all the foster animals, from squirrels to kittens and... Yeah. No, I mean, like, everything. somebody at, at Galveston Island was like, Jen's daughter is awesome. Like, she's like... <laughs> so, and I'm like, not surprised. That's she's awesome. She's like, I wish I could clone her. And I'm like, I feel the same way about Jen. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> she's pretty... She's She picks up well, and she's really mature So for yeah. her age, so... Um, we're, we're lucky to have her also in the animal community because she's learning a lot and she's picking up a lot and she's going to be very valuable to the animal world. Yeah. Galveston Island has a great TNR program too. Um, so she's kind of picking up some of that info and dispersing it out into the community. So I love that. And she's mentioning some of our program and I love that too. So that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Michelle, you want to talk next? Okay. You're I so know. funny because Michelle's like always talking. Talk. I know. It's like, mm. I'm Michelle. I am the field director for Lifeline and uh, board member also. Mm-hmm. I was the last one brought in because they don't love me. Anymore. That is not true. <laughs> I thought you were taken. It's okay. <laughs> Caroline is the reason I do this. I mean, I love animals. No, no, no. You started rescuing animals on well, your own. You well, told me. Like, when you were young. Yeah. Well, yes. No, I mean, my mother did always. We would stop. I grew up in Houston, over off Hillcroft in South Maine. And uh, I remember 
the age I remember truly the first dog that my mom saw a big dog running down the middle on Hillcroft and she just did a U-turn and went back and told us to hold on and she jumped out of the car, grabbed this 80 pound dog and just threw it in the back seat with us. <laughs> and um, she had ticks this big, oh like all over her and you know, my mom was like, just put her in the backyard. We'll get her to the vet. So, yeah, it was, but we got all the ticks off. We stuck around. She lived to be about 17. Wow. I named her Babe. Uh, <laughs> my dad came home and he's like, we're not keeping that dog. And my mom said, well, you tell her she's out back. And I was sitting out there loving on the dog. Aww. He opened the door and I said, hey, dad, I named her Babe. And he said, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, you know, any cats that came around. Uh, we lived out in Medina for a while when I was a teenager, which is the hill country. And there was a bunch of barn cats. And they'd have kittens, and they'd make their way up to the house. So we started feeding them. My friend had a pet deer that decided that she wanted to come see me sometimes <laughs> and just come walking through the house. Now you have pet ducks. Well, They're not really pet yeah, dogs, but, but. They, but they think they are. They do come up and peck at the window trying to get us to feed them. But that's so funny. <laughs> but I got started this time because this one posted a two-week foster. And, <laughs> that's how they uh, reel you in. I know it is, but I, I mean, it, I, I did want to do it. So the dog I originally inquired about wasn't available to go, so I ended up fostering another one who actually did go. But I went back. To go help do an event, and I met the dog I originally went to go foster, and, and I took her, and I did foster her, and now she's still at my house. <laughs> <laughs> and then I fostered some puppies, and I did some transports, and started doing photographs of the long-term dogs there, because they just still had pictures and behind bars. Mm -hmm. So, me and Rose. Yeah. And Rose actually came up there and helped me, and we started trying to make props, not as easy as it looks, by the way. When you see these people with photos and they have props and everything, it's hard. kudos to you. It is so not easy to do. Especially with um, a moving animal. Yeah, and the ones you don't know. They don't know you. So yeah. you go in there and grab this dog, and then you're like, okay, say cheese. I mean, you know, they're just like... <laughs> so like uh, we're trying to edit the leash out because we're trying to hold them in place. It, it's a lot of work, and we learned real quick just take pictures in the yard. We can't. We're not photo photographers, so we couldn't do that. But we tried. Um, so remember that rose, the kissing booth. I remember that the, the first I one. I remember that. The, the first one that she made. <laughs> and then she even had the rodeo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, then after that, I ended up started like volunteering full-time yeah I was up there almost every day yeah. getting dogs out taking pictures uh when COVID came Caroline had me come up and we started working with behavior dogs mm -hmm. so we really started getting to know some of those ones that had more issues raw hot dogs and uh I upgraded to sausage because yep. hot dogs didn't always work but <laughs> Uh, Inflation, though. Well, you might got to kick it back down. It, it only went up like two bucks. Oh. <laughs> still, for two dollars, I'll still give them sausage. But uh, then we started getting a lot more practice with playgroups at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, because we were able to continue knowing the same dogs. So we really could work on their behavior yeah. and stuff. And, and it just was, to, if people don't know, the reason that happened during COVID was because a lot of the shelters didn't know what was going to happen. And so they closed intake. 
um, because they didn't know if it was going to be trans, like if the disease was going to be a transmitted by animals, like nobody knew. And then, you know, you know, and then also when it was really bad, if your staff got COVID, you're going to have to shut down the shelter. So yeah. they just, they stopped intake. But what that allowed us to do was it allowed us to focus more on some of the harder to place dogs. Yeah. And it, so. well, and it gave us a chance to actually see that some dogs, especially in that environment, are going to be harder to adopt. Mm-hmm. So you start understanding some of the high intake problems that they face. And, you know, which would be the fostering end and training in that one of the programs that we are going to be trying to help with. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it, it, it definitely opened your eyes to different things, understanding dog language, their body language, and, st- and just ways to handle it. So, but... And now I'm here in Lifeline. Uh, a lot of times, if anybody ever goes to the clinic, I'm the one that does the check-in at the clinic. Um, Picking traps up. Yeah, that, yeah um, that's my house that the traps She's are She's the trap at. house. I am. <laughs> I am the trap house. Once the I get you there. House. Oh, well, maybe I trap you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, do you know it? <laughs> I don't know if you know. Do you know that's like a that's slang for like a drug house? Is it? Trap house. <laughs> Oh, I'm too know. old. I'm sorry. I did she not know like, that. Okay. She was like, "Well, I'm gonna make Michelle." I mean, I have wait, there might be there might be some right now. I do have some like antibiotics okay, for cats. Okay, there you uh, go. That's so cool. it depends on what kind of drugs you're looking for. If it's animal drugs, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, but like preventatives, Brevecto, Heart Guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm your girl. No. <laughs> that's true. But that's hilarious. Uh, no, I did not know that. Thank you. Though. You're welcome. You go. Good we'll to see. know. See, that's when you know you're the oldest one in the group. <laughs> but uh, not by far. Yeah. Fourteen years. Oh. I'm fifty. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> she thought I was younger. She's Thank you. I, I love it. I love her. <laughs> no, it's fine. Cool. But well, you're the same age as my sister, I think. 36. I'm 36. Yeah, that's my sister. Yeah. She's only four years older than my daughter. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, we're really glad to have you as part of the group. I love yeah, being here. You. Look, yeah. you know, when I first started volunteering, I met you. Mm-hmm. We hit it off pretty quick. That was, that was, and then, I mean, obviously, she's the one that suckered me into this. But. Same. <laughs> she's good at that. But the thing is, you, I mean, you have wonderful ideas and actually an infectious passion. Mm-hmm. for the stuff you do you really do because you are always when I was even when COVID hit you were trying to be innovative with the ways that you were marketing the animals asking the volunteers that couldn't come yeah. up there to do it from home creating the little cards yeah. with just information you could give them like you know we went to the cage and they were very happy to see us and yeah try, you were trying to be I love that and and that's the thing that was always so good with you with animals because you just try to think any way to benefit them no matter what it is you just that's what you're always working towards the benefit of the animals thank you you're welcome but so are you guys i mean you're yeah but we probably i don't know that we're as i don't know that we're quite the visionary that you are but when you get it we're like yes and we're right there to help because we do believe in it so well Thanks, but yeah, definitely teamwork. I mean, that's what I learned early on in Lifeline was like, I can't do it. Like, I can't do all these things. I can't do it by myself. And there are things that I am not great at. Like, admin stuff is not 
Not my thing. Jen mm-hmm. is a queen, but like I for I would forget stuff. You know, you guys know. But <laughs> me too. I was saying Jen has to constantly be like, um, remember you got this? I'm like, no yeah. did. <laughs> I'll say I try. For, for me the reason so I guess I was always when I was younger, I was always I've always been an animal person. I was always covered. I grew up with golden retrievers. It was always covered in hair. My sisters actually still call me fur or baby fur. I'm the baby sister. I was always covered in hair. Golden retriever. Drive my mom crazy. (laughs) Um, And then when I got into high school, I volunteered at my first shelter. And um, I was on the no-kill wagon. I was one of those girls. I was like, if you're not a no-kill shelter, I don't want to be with you. Blah, blah, blah. I had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I remember that feeling, yeah. too. But when, yeah. I'm, when I first started over at Galveston County, I, I was real nervous about going. Well, remember, I was like, don't tell yeah, me anything. Yeah, I remember anything. our first conversation. Yeah. Don't tell me anything. And I was like, it's not like that, you know? Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I volunteered. I went to college, and I got the opportunity to go on this service trip to Best Friends my freshman year, and um, I learned so much during that. My mind kind of started to change, and they um, it was actually really cool. I went for a week. We got to volunteer, but they also did these presentations um, at, like, lunch sometimes where they would talk about, like, puppy mills was one, and they were talking about all these different things, and I was like, oh, okay. I started to get into it, got a little nerdy about it, um, moved down here, and really needed a job when I was 22, and I saw the listing at the shelter, um, the Galveston County shelter, and I, like, was like, okay, well, I need a job, love animals, and then I got into it, and that's, and that's when I learned, when I, when I actually was in this high-intake Galveston County shelter, and I was like, oh, this makes a lot more sense. It is not a matter of being no kill or being a kill shelter. It's municipalities. It's if you have the municipal contract. It's if you're open admission and you can't say no. And so it just my eyes kind of started to open. Amber was my boss and Amber taught me so much. Um, I I would not have done this if I would have never met Amber and she wasn't such a great mentor to me. Um, And then... You know, I went to my first American Pets Alive conference, which I really want you guys to be able to go to. I don't know if they're still going to do it. I check periodically, and they haven't. I haven't seen one since 2020. That it was January 2020. It was right before right COVID. Before, yeah, because yeah. y'all all went, right? When there three, you and Amanda and Amber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's actually where yeah. I got the inspiration for Lifeline is when I sat for one of those, um, uh, one of the presentations, and I was like. You know, I was like cocky, twenty-five. I'm like, I can start a nonprofit, easy. And now <laughs> here we are, and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> this is, you did it though. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not easy. Those no, first, that no. first year, Jen knows that first year yeah. was rough. Now, I came in yeah. after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They are, they already had it kind of going. <laughs> yeah, we paved the road a little bit. All I did was come in and kind of fix our clinic end. Yeah. But I remember the very first American Pets Live conference I sat at, and I was still, I had been at the shelter, and I kind of was like, I don't even know if it's possible to be, when you're such a high intake shelter, to be no kill. I kind of got into that mentality for a little bit. I went to the first conference and heard all these stories, and, and once I knew that you can do it, that it's possible, and that there are areas that had higher intake and were doing it, I was like, all right, well, we can do it. You know, it's just 
the programs, putting the programs together, getting the support, all of that. And so I think that's what keeps me doing this is it's like, I know it can happen. I know it can happen. Yeah. I know we can do it. It's possible. It is. It's going to take time, but it'll happen. Yeah. I, I, I really think it will. I think that we're, that you're, you know, we're working Toward getting people to understand. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to... I mean, getting them to understand the difference mm-hmm. also and between I guess, open intake and yeah. the closed yes. intake or limited intake. And I guess if people <coughs> don't know, the difference is... So you have the differences in shelters. You have closed intake, you have limited intake, and you have open intake. Um, almost every city or county has some sort of organization that they have a municipal contract with that, um, you know, they are required to do animal control for the community. And a lot of times they're required to take in every stray, um, every owner surrender. So that's kind of changed. We're kind of moving as a country to a more limited intake, um, deal where limited intake is where you're not taking every single animal. You're kind of asking questions before they come in, and you're like, can we get this dog back to its owner before we bring it in? Um, Can we have some sort of, like, our kitten intake diversion program that we're trying to build? Can we, we know the kittens aren't lost. Is there a way that we can put them into a different organization so that, you know, they're not coming to the shelter? So limited intake means you're not taking in every single animal. You have restrictions, or when you're full... You say, sorry, we're full. Closed intake is most rescue groups. Lifeline is a closed intake. What that means is we only take in animals to the extent of our resources. So if we don't have the resources to take them in, you know, we don't take, we can't take them in. But if you're a municipal shelter, you have that contract. You can't say, sorry, we don't have the resources. And you can't say, sorry, we're full because you have a municipal contract, like a fire department or police department. So that's the... And that was really apparent during COVID when COVID started and the shelters had to start shutting their doors, you know, that was a big thing having to tell people no. And they're like, what? What do you mean no? And the interesting thing in COVID, and and people have a lot of different opinions on this, and I have, I don't know, I go both ways. When you close intake, you're like, is that good? Is that bad? Because you have people who aren't going to, you know, the dog's roaming, and so you just don't bring the dog into the shelter. Well, there's benefits to that. Hopefully the dog finds its way home, but, you know, there's still some of those risks. And you also, people get really frustrated if you're like, sorry, I can't take this animal. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you like clothes? Do you like limiting intake? Do you think it should be? We take everything? You know, I listen to a lot of people like on Facebook, different uh, street rescuers, especially in the Houston area. And um, I don't, you know, growing up, it was always no dog should go to the shelter because we ain't going to let them die. That's how, you know, it was the three-day hold Mm and gone. We had, it wasn't called the shelter. It was called the dog pound when I was Mm -hmm. growing up. So no dog went to the shelter when I was growing up. But seeing being part of the system and understanding what happens and even with covid when spay and neuter shut down and now the way over abundance of animals out there and just on the cat side of it the diseases that are spreading mm-hmm. uh the the things that are happening on a bigger scale now because there's way more of them 
I, I have to say I don't like limiting intake. Yeah. I, I would prefer open intake. Yes, it will cost some lives, but I think it saves more than it costs. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's tough, but those successes are amazing. Well, and I will say there are plenty of open intake shelters that are no kill. Well, no, and that that's, and, and that would great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just saying right now. Yeah. In the yeah, in the yeah. situation we're in, and especially we are, and I think it's countrywide. I think nation, you know, like whole nation, because Everybody. of COVID, the spay and neuters that got shut down. I spoke uh, to somebody yeah. who's been in this for a long time, and she told me that in her 25 years of rescuing, this is the hardest yeah. year that she's experienced. Yeah, and I really do I think it's that. from. The spay and neuter being cut off. What the was COVID it? Six months. Back? Yeah. yeah, because those and animals those, were out there yeah. breeding that whole time, and they're just multiplying crazy now. For those who don't know, and I know I've, I mentioned this some to this to some friends who were like, I had no idea this was a thing, but we knew it because we're in the we're in the field and we're in the animal welfare field. But during COVID, when they shut down surgeries, elective surgeries for people, they also didn't know if they were going to need these supplies to do veterinary surgeries they didn't know if they were going to need these veterinary supplies to to give to people and so they shut down all surgeries they shut down spay neuter surgeries for about six months yeah, and that was three to six months something like and that, that yeah. really put everybody behind well and then when they did open up it was still limited. very limited mm-hmm. and it was so far out i mean they're still scheduling they're still stuff out to... three months out it was a lot of places yeah so. Definitely. I was actually scheduling when that happened, and so I know it, it was like oh, six, seven that. months yeah. before they And you had to like cancel a bunch of appointments. Everything and... got canceled, and then as we tried to bounce back, they were only limiting limiting yep. us to a certain amount, and even even that, you got to imagine, every animal that leaves the shelter has to have a spay and neuter appointment if it's not already been spay or neutered. So mm-hmm. think of every animal that gets adopted out of the shelter going home and possibly breeding breeding yeah you know and then not and it probably not following back up and getting their appointment yeah and it probably happened so because, and that's just one know. shelter think yeah. about all the other shelters that had the same exact problem right yeah. so because you didn't want to stop adoptions but you couldn't get appointments yeah. so it, uh, yeah and it is it is texas state law that any animal that comes out of a shelter has to be spayed neutered and so we are you know they are able to cite people who don't do that who don't make their appointments but doesn't really work, you know, and still... Yeah, anybody that's in the field knows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, um, yeah, we were going to talk about the... um, Let me pull it up here. The 12 ingredients to a no-kill community. So, you know, Lifeline's mission is to help all the municipal shelters in the county reach and sustain no-kill status, which... A lot of people don't know what that really means. What that really means is 90% live release. Um, it's a very statistical number. Uh, I had 90%. No idea before so I people are like, this. oh, no, kill. They don't kill anything. You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is not what no kill means. And I get that the terminology makes it confusing. And for a while, I was like, maybe we don't even use that wording. But I think. It's hard because it's like people know that term. So yeah, so you, it's easier to use, but yeah. Yeah, but ni- no kill means ninety percent live release. That was a number that the animal welfare community agreed upon, probably like fifteen to twenty years ago, um, because they were like, you know, how do we measure this? Because and so the idea is that if you're saving ninety percent of your pets, you're probably saving most of the ones that can be saved. The last ten percent is kind of reserved for. Um, 
you know, medical conditions um, that aren't going to get better, um, severe behavioral cases, that kind of thing would fall into your 10%. Now, obviously, our goal is 90%, and once we reach 90%, to continue to help that percent go up. Um, Austin, I think, for a while, was at like 94, 95% live release for their city, which is incredible. That's um, a big city. It's a big city, exactly. So it's definitely possible, but what we're going to talk about in these like life-saving ingredients is it's not a matter of I don't, I don't know if it's not, it's, you know, it's a matter of the animals that are dying in the shelter are the ones, are certain populations. Um, and so if we can create programs that assist those populations, that's the one and only way you can reach no kill. Um, and that those populations are generally large dogs, community cats, cats, kittens, neonatal kittens, um, what it's not is it's usually not your small dogs. It's usually not your... Fluffy. Fluffies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, you know, our goal of, of Lifeline is to create those programs that, And puppies, puppies don't, not as much. Yeah, no, yeah. puppies, and, you know, in some, in, in Houston, I think, Maybe times, they do more, yeah. But, um, and yeah, they do mm-hmm. it there, but not, I still think they try not and to And it's usually, yeah, yeah, I think it's usually sick, sickly, yeah. sickly animals, too. Parvo, distemper... Um, that kind of thing. So the 12 ingredients, um, we'll just start and we're going to just kind of have like a little discussion about each of them. Um, so the first one is life-saving vision and that is prioritizing the no-kill philosophy in your community and instituting a culture of life-saving in your organization. Um, and so that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of like what this podcast is about and, um, you know, it's just getting the word out there about what no-kill really is, how we get there, how people can help us get there. Um, Because it's not on our shelters. It's not just on our shelters. It's us as a community have to be on board. Um, I think we're the the community's the biggest factor. mm -hmm. I mean, the shelter is the end result of the community. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? Wait, what do you mean? I know what you mean, but... (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean... if we are letting people breed their animals with just going crazy with it and then dumping them and them going to the shelter and then we're putting that problem that the community created and the people in our society and our neighborhood, they, they go and do this and then it becomes the shelter's problem and everybody just points to the shelter. And I'm not going to say what the one person said, but, <laughs> and then we blame them. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not fair because those people generally got that job because they love animals and they want to save them. And I have seen many of them cry when it could not happen. And it is heartbreaking. And we all know. And the thing is, it's, it started in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And you're ne- that dog running loose that your neighbor keeps letting out and it's not spayed or neutered. That's the problem. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. I can give you a specific example of how terrible it can feel. Working in the shelter, I was standing behind the front desk one day. Um, for whatever reason, I had to run the front desk because somebody was sick. It's you know, it's hard for shelters to keep staffing. That's another big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running the front desk. I had moved four or five dogs that day. I was really happy. Um, 
feeling really overwhelmed. I hate running the front desk. Stresses me out, you know? <laughs> and so I was sitting out there and this lady came in and she said, you murderer. And I was like, oh, and it, it hurt. And she was like, she started kind of going off on me. And I was like, ma'am. And I, I'm almost getting teary-eyed talking. And I was like, ma'am, yeah. this is not why I do this job. Like, you don't know. You yeah. don't know. And for and somebody to come it. in and yeah. just throw that on a person with no, no knowledge. And that's just yeah. heartless to, to throw that at people without knowing who they are and why they're in it. I mean, yeah. you don't know. You can't ever... Volunteering at the shelter, there were some people come in, look at animals, and sometimes you're out in the yard with them, introducing them to a dog or whatever, and they say things that, because of who I am, naturally, I want to go at them, but, yeah. you know, realizing they just don't know. Yeah. They, they don't understand, like, they don't believe in neutering, and it's like, that's a real thing, they do it, but besides that, because, you know... Why? Why do you not believe in that? Please explain what, you know, or my no, dog would I make a great mother. Yeah, my dog would be a great mother. How do you know? I mean, and and, and right some of these dogs have eaten their babies, okay? Yeah. So they're not great. And that's full-blooded <laughs> ones that are bred for money that are genes that yeah. they're passing down. And I know because my aunt had one. And she, she is not doing it anymore because she woke up to the dog had killed and ate two of the babies. So do oh not think that your mother, your dog wants to be a mother. It does not. It doesn't care. <laughs> it's more, I think that's it. It doesn't care. And it's like, do you think this cat's like, do, do, do. Oh, I wonder if I want to have babies. Oh, yeah. she has kittens. <laughs> I want some kittens. Maybe I shouldn't smash this tomcat. Sorry, that's not <laughs> It's usually the other way around. Poor female. But no, yeah. I mean, female cats get, like, attacked. Oh, they do. You know? And they so do. You hear them screaming. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I oh, think Ileon you're right. said that, uh, at one of our events, the lady said that she didn't believe in spaying the females, or no, she neutering the males. Yes, I get that a lot. And, and I'm like, so you have any female that comes around, 50 males raping her. Yeah. Okay, cool. Is I right. child support? <laughs> Two things. First, I get that a lot. Really? I get that a ton. And it's so and much I, easier like, to do the males. It's like five not, minutes out. Done. Yeah. Do I need to have the conversation about the birds and the bees? Like, males have to be fixed, too. Not to mention all the nuisance behaviors males have when oh, they yeah, have the testosterone. And the fighting. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then the other thing is, I had a funny... Um, application come through the other day and in the notes section at the end of the application you're able to put in you know anything else you want me to know um before you submit your application and she told me that she she calls her male cat i'm sorry if this is you by the way but um (laughs) her male cat's name is deadbeat because he's a deadbeat dad oh that's kind of hilarious (laughs) so hard when i read it lady knows at least she's she's making fun of the whole thing itself yeah which that i can get on board with but (laughs) you know but somebody's somebody's standing firm on a belief of like attributing human behaviors and feelings to an animal and people really need to stop doing that even it works in our favor when we're trying to promote an animal (laughs) to give it emotions they don't have yeah and i will say that i you know i have even been suckered in knowing it's a sham but is that (laughs) because that dog and and this is a reality that i want people to know 
when people adopt an animal from a shelter and they bring it back for their shots, that dog goes straight in the front door, happy go, running up to everybody saying hi, and they're like, I didn't think they'd want to come back here. Why? They don't know it's not supposed to happen that way. They don't understand yeah. what, they don't know they're in danger. They go in. Some of these dogs have never been in a house. They get shelter, food, water, attention. They're getting more than they've ever got before. They don't have any idea they were this close to death. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They don't know. They they have no, there's no expectation. They don't know that this isn't what happens to all dogs. Mm-hmm. They don't know that they're a dog, so they don't really know that this isn't normal. Yeah. So Absolutely. animals do not attribute the same feelings to stuff. That's why when people say, oh, they're grateful you adopted them. Mm. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 the grateful that you think, no. Do they learn to love you and like being in your house and on your couch and everything else? Sure. They're a dog. Yeah. Uh, they, but they don't understand gratitude. the way. So that's why you can't expect your newly adopted animal to come home and be like, oh, you're, you saved me. Mm-hmm. They don't, or a dog when you first pull them out in the yard. I would see yeah. this a lot, and people would be like, "Well, they don't like me," and it's like, "Well, sir, <laughs> this dog hasn't been out of the cage in four days. Yeah, yeah. it really wanted to pee and go, you know, <laughs> sniff around, around in the grass. Yeah, yeah. It, you not, know, yeah. sorry, you didn't. it has no idea that this is happening right now. Yeah, it's potentially yeah. going home. With yeah, you. it doesn't get that <laughs> connection, and they get and people get really offended. They do. <laughs> they want that instant connection, and you're just like, give them, I mean, give them fifteen or twenty. Yeah, minutes. let them yeah. sniff around for a minute, run it out, and then I mean, especially if we know the dogs, we yeah, can be like, yeah. look. Just stand, you just let them, they're going to go do their thing for a few minutes, and then they'll come engage because they play real well and everything right. else. Yeah. When you don't know, you're like, it's the first time I had the dog out, don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, we'll find out together. Cool. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's life-saving vision. I think that's pretty good. Um, we got progressive adoption policies. Now, this one I know is one that people debate. But progressive adoption policies are policies that prioritize, uh, I'm sorry, implementing adoption policies that focus on increasing shelter live release rates and safely removing barriers to adoption, moving animals out of the shelter as fast as they come in to prevent death from space. And so um, I love open adoptions and I will fight somebody verbally, probably not physically, about. I can um, see physically. Well, <laughs> you used to. <laughs> You used to kickbox or something, but... I may. It was yeah. fun. Good times. <laughs> so I, I retract that statement, but... Yeah. I don't know if I would do it. I, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. But, um... And the idea is we have... And this is not a, to throw hate at anybody, but you have organizations that can make it really difficult to um, adopt an animal. And I have friends who have told me this as well, where they try to go and rescue an animal, and there's so many... Hurdles. Hurdles. And so they decide to buy one instead. Um, And we have this belief that if we um, go and we do home visits, and we get your vet record references and all of this stuff, that we're somehow um, ensuring that this is going to be a good home... And we've seen it before where it's not. It ends up either not being a good home or you have people, you know, who maybe aren't traditionally the best pet owners, but they end up being really good pet owners. That's something um, that you taught me when I first started working at the shelter, and I'll never forget because it, when you work in a customer service environment, you see 
you start to see the ugly side of people, you know? And um, so after a few minutes of seeing uh, the ugly side of people, you have to remember, don't judge these people because some of the worst like looking people will end up being the best pet owners you've ever met. They will have heartworm preventative every month. They will have updated vet records, spay and neuter, and they will be the absolute best. They might be driving a rinky dink car and might not have the best house, but they will be the best pet owner. And then you'll have this other person over here that has, you know, other, a totally different situation and they will not be giving heartworm preventative and they will be not up to date with their shots. And so that's something I'll never forget is just don't judge just because of what somebody looks like mm -hmm. or where they come from on how they're going to be a pet owner. Yeah. You know? And so I think that goes back to the, to the open intake mm -hmm. is some of these places they do home visits thinking they're going to be able to see that you're going to be able to take care of Fluffy and just because my home doesn't look as nice as yours doesn't mean I don't have a lot of love to give Fluffy. Right. Yeah. And that's not fair to a lot of people. And that's yeah, a barrier. They have uh, the fence requirements. Yeah. Like it's got to be six foot fence. Yeah. Like actually, someone with a four foot fence and getting a chihuahua, it's probably all right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't think the Chihuahua's going to get out of the Well, and that's fence. like with these policies, what you instead lean on is adoption counseling. And what that yes, is, is absolutely. trying to better understand the person's lifestyle and saying, can we find a dog that fits into your lifestyle as yeah. opposed to, are we got to make sure you're checking all the boxes. Yes. There's, it's dog, and you know, animals are individuals too. And yes. they have different quirks and different things. And we don't, I, I compared a lot to dating or being married, like you're not looking for a perfect partner. And if you are, you're probably never going to find it. There's no such thing as a perfect dog or a perfect cat. It's more finding a match that fits into your lifestyle. Yeah. You know? Years ago, when my husband and I first got together, he had always told me he wanted a pug. I knew nothing about pugs, but I knew my husband wanted a pug. And I was like, I'm going to surprise him with a pug. Surprise, so, you got a pug. I know. So I went through several, and I'm a firm believer, I don't buy from from breeders. You mm -hmm. know, there's plenty of, of rescues. So I went through several rescues, pug rescues, and I was denied. I was denied three times because we did our fence our fenced in yard wasn't big enough or we didn't make enough pug. we didn't make enough money for one mm -hmm. of them because pugs are flat faced and they could potentially have a lot of medical expenses and so we didn't fit the criteria for that in case we needed extra medical bills for her and so forth. So it I mean I firsthand experienced this, and that's something I took with me into this. Is that I I don't want people. To you feel know like what? That. I don't think that how much money someone has determines if they would be a good home. I really I I hate that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hate that because are we saying that only people who make such and such money should have a pet? Well, then what I mean, do we do with all with the rest like, of these pets? You see that with like what do you homeless, do with the rest of them? Homeless people who have yeah. dogs, and, 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 I, and some and of they, them they take awesome Karen of course can you they imagine that dog's care above their own. life 
That yeah. dog is probably having the time of their life. They get adventures every day. day. They get to be with their human all the time. Yeah. And most of them love all sorts of people. Right. They, they're friendlier than the ones that we keep locked up you, in our house. I'll tell you, most people's pets tend to be way more better behaved. Well, they're socialized better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, we have to lock our animals up now because of all the laws and everything. So yeah. they're not as socialized as yeah. they used to be when they could roam their at least neighborhood. Right. So, yeah, they, we, they don't. You introduce them to strangers. Yeah. So the next thing you know, they're scared of everybody. Yeah. So. My favorite thing to do recently, too, and I know I've shown you guys some of them, is I like to save TikToks of, like, non-traditional pet owners (laughs) being amazing pet owners. And one of my favorite ones is this stripper, and she has this cat. And did I send you this? You sent me this (laughs) And she's, like, having the cat, like, do stuff on the pole. And the cat is having so much fun. It's, like, the greatest (laughs) enrichment. This lady obviously loves her cat. Yeah. And you know, it's like if and you know people are trying to hate on her in the comments yeah. too, and the cat is just loving every minute of it. The because like, they want to interact with us and they yeah. enjoy that yeah. kind of stuff. So if you let them, anytime I'm like listening to music and I start dancing a little bit at the house, Simba goes nuts and starts barking and jumping. He wants to jump up and kiss on me, and just, I mean, it can't stand it. He will come running from another room if he thinks I'm dancing. I just <laughs> like he's got to be involved. And he don't even really want to dance with me, but I'm doing something that seems fun to him, so he wants, he wants to, to be, be a part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, okay, I'm just making sure everything's still... And by the way, Simba is a jerk dog. Just He's a behavior <laughs> to everyone dog. else. But well, he's yeah. a big baby to the people he loves. Yeah. But, yeah, when he's not... He is a behavioral dog. <laughs> just FYI, I have one of those. Yeah. So it's, it's well, and so you know, and like that's a great example of finding a good match for an animal, and that's how my that's how Bogart is for me. He's kind of a jerk in certain situations, but it works for me. Yeah. You know, he's well, territorial, he but it. for a while I was yeah. a single girl living by myself, and that was great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. So and, and I, I learned how to manage it. Yeah, and he and I mean that's what I was gonna say. You learn how to adjust with it. I mean, like Simba. I know he's going to bark when people come in, but I also know how to go with the water bottle and tell him that's enough and he'll stop. Not me. I so. just have a random house full of misfits. Yeah. Like the three-legged cat, um, the <laughs> overweight pug, the 135-pound... Great Pyrenees mix. Great Pyrenees mix. Yeah. I got her that dog. Never wanted a big dog. And I, I go and get one. this sweet little shy skinny thing. Not skinny anymore. <laughs> Out of the thing. I walk it up there and she was like, oh my gosh. I just love it Named her. her. And she was supposed to go out for adoption. No, she didn't. And then it happened. No, it did not. <laughs> do you think, do, do, do your pets match your personality? Mm. I mean, I I guess I would say Lexi not so much. Uh-huh. Uh She's my odd, the odd one because it was just from a photo. Yeah. So I didn't really know her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Phoebe and Simba are they both like the look? Yeah. I mean that <laughs> they like both of them talk like they bark all time. Yeah, and I talk all the time too. So yeah, I mean I would say pretty much <laughs> they're just like me. Nick says I'm like Bogart, which I think is funny. And it, like, I, like it, I guess, and it, then he's like, yeah, and two percent of the time you're a little, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. which is not wrong. So <laughs> that's the thing, right? And see, and and Lexi, I think might take after Bruce a little bit more. Yeah, actually, because she does. She's more his dog. Yeah. Um, she is very uh. She's kind of a dominant dog, really, which is weird because she's really shy, but she's very dominant. 
Um, very quick. Yeah. Very just like all over the place. And, you know, Bruce has like ADD, so it's like... <laughs> so I think the very... I think that's... Yeah. Even though... And it, it works. You know, they all... Lexi helped raise Simba. So even though their play styles are nothing alike, it works. Yeah. Because he learned how to play with her. Right. That makes sense. So, yeah. Now, Phoebe... And Simba play a lot alike, so they do really well together. But Lexi's the odd one, so. Cool. It's past my bedtime. Look at my cat. Oh, my God. She's so mad. She's pissed. (laughs) Hi, Ellie. Is it past your bedtime or hers? Well, usually I'm laying in bed right now, and she has to lay on my chest. What time is it? It's not... I don't sleep at this time, but I'm in the bed resting. I mean, I, like, I watch. It's only five thirty. Yeah, yeah. I, I watch TV and sit in my yeah, room. Yeah, my bed. bed. Yeah. Your husband is a night, right? Or he works really early. Yeah, he, so he, you he gets, gets up at like three a.m. Oh, so okay. we go to bed yeah. early and then get up really, really right. early. But she's totally glaring at us. Well, <laughs> well I guess we'll do, about to turn the power let's off. Let's do. We'll do She's over there learning how to do she's the power like, strip. She's been having the time of her life over here. Oh, yeah. Hi, that Paul. was one of our medical kitties, by the way, that yeah. Jennifer has been fostering. I don't know if Cauliflower she's is... Um, she's going to be a forever medical case. Probably. She just got spayed the other day, and you would never know it because she's been jumping like a little gazelle. Hi, Collie. All over the place. So that was one of Lifeline's first ones to That's come in. That's probably her first right? major medical yeah. case. So I've had her since she was like two or three days old. And she's now uh, seven months old. You got her through a chronic condition that early, which is just amazing. Yeah. It speaks to your neonatal superpowers, Jen. Yeah. Well, we are really lucky. And then her little bare belly. I know, they did shave her a <laughs> they lot. shaved like crazy on I'm sure her. they probably just what like, out of precaution. Oh, yeah. oh she said, no, ma'am. No. <laughs> so don't look at my I'm belly. Sorry. Don't look at my belly. No looksies. She was funny because so I, I babysat her for the night to get her to Houston. Yeah. And um, she would do this like slappy thing where she would like slap, but it would like hold. So she would be like. I know, but she's like, I want to hurt you, but I don't want She's like, I know you. that that's not right. <laughs> no, it's it's like, like, I'm going to get you, but I'm going to stop and think so about cute. it. I was like, I love it. I love her attitude. It's like that, that thing where you're like, think about too. it, think about it. And yeah. like, okay. She does it to the dogs, too. Really? She's like, I'm not going to use my nails, but I'm going to swat at you. She's like, I'm not happy. Yeah. 135-pound dog walks by, and she's just like, swat in the face, and the dog just looks at her like, that's what yeah. you got? <laughs> I, I, I had a cat named Dog. He was a tuxedo, and he learned to sit outside the back door. And my St. Bernard I had at the time, she'd be coming up to the door, and he'd sit there waiting because as they would come in, he would smack them. And, you know, they got hair like like mm-hmm. Autumn does. St. Bernard's got some, even if he smacked her, even with his nails, chances of her ever getting touched, nope. She was scared to death, that cat. 130-pound <laughs> dog, she'd be like, Oh, yeah. And you're she, like, oh, I have to move the cat before she'd come inside. It's the craziest thing to me. Now, the funny thing is the leader of the pack is the overweight pug. Hi, ma'am. So despite the size difference with everyone, the overweight 37-pound pug is She 37 the, pounds. That's she's hilarious. 37 pounds. That is she's very large for a pug. And she's I've on got a diet. A, I've got a 15-year-old pug at my house, and she weighs 17 Hi, pounds. Yeah, she's on a diet. 
Are you okay? Did you just, she just she just looked deep into my eyes and burped. Yeah. <laughs> That's because she's like, did you say food? Hi, man. Yeah, I need yeah. some food. So, yeah, she's actually the alpha, or she's the alpha of the group. I mean, she is, I mean, technically speaking, though, she is a big pug, even just her, the length her, of her body and, and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Hi, ma'am. Because I had a black pug before, and at his biggest, he was 22 pounds. And that was when he started having some allergy issues and had to get the steroid shot, so it kind of boofed him up. <laughs> but, uh, but, the roids. Oh, yeah. Put him on the roids. Yeah, that's not the a pug's best friend. It does help, but unfortunately, <laughs> they beef up rather quickly. Yeah. So, and they do not need the extra weight. Oh, man. Yeah, she's on a diet. And they're great really... dogs, though, so anybody that does look at pugs, they are great with kids and stuff. They're, they're very great temperament dogs, so. I disagree completely. You don't think they're good with kids? Really? Well, my, my experience with mine... She literally tried to take food out of somebody. I had a guest over at my house that had like a six or seven year old child. And that we were like grazing, eating like um, chips and dip and stuff. And the child had the chip in her hand, was just walking with the chip. And almost any dog would have probably done this, but uh, Willow like got her hand. Oh. Oh no. Really? She, didn't, she didn't draw blood or anything, but she took she took the chip mm. and tried to take all the fingers with it. That's crazy. Oh, oh my wow. goodness. I mean but the I two mean, I had were great with kids. So they I mean but like then again, Georgie Willow was really is good. Older now and so all she does is lay on the couch like a beach whale and yeah. that's all she does. <laughs> all and snores. I have to tell they, they, everybody on the yeah. phone I'm sorry my dog is snoring yeah. really loud. Right? And, they, and they do <laughs> snore very loud. Yeah. yeah. Especially as they get older. It's it's real. I think I still have videos somewhere of Georgie snoring. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. The it's, black it's pug, so he would bad. sleep on his back. And I even have pictures of it because I'd sit. My sister bought both the pugs and neither one lived with her. <laughs> they ended up with me and my mom. I don't, it, yeah, we still have one. Yeah. It, yeah, it was not, I did not buy a pug. I'm a big dog person, pretty much. And, yeah. And now my sister got two pugs and both, so. All the pug, the pug love. But, I mean, I do like them. I thought they were good dogs, so, but yeah. I, I didn't have that. I'm not saying that. that all pugs are no, like No, no, I'm just Mine's saying, but just I guess it could just jerk. be, yeah, well. It, it she was just, just very, willow. she just probably was very excited about the food, and they do have a flat, which it's surprised that she could really make contact with her teeth because I've noticed most yeah. of the time, like, they could only get jeans. Yeah, she can't hardly <laughs> open her mouth. Plus, now she's like, I think They can't open their mouth. <laughs> like, I throw the tennis ball with Autumn, and Autumn will be, like, all excited and have it in her mouth, and Willow will go try to bite it, and she's like, can't get the ball. Yeah, unless there's, like, a, yeah, unless there's something they can really get because they can't. That's when I tell people, it's like, oh, they're like, because Georgie used to get real crazy about people with a hat. And I would be like, because my daughter had a, a Zac Efron stand-up thing that she had, <laughs> oh and they had a hat on like it. Like High School Musical? Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. She was in love with him. Ooh. And uh, she, um, you know, so he would bark at this thing. So anybody that came in with a hat after that, so he would go after their pants. And they would be like, is he trying to bite me? And I'm like, yeah, but he can't. He'll get your jeans, <laughs> so but he funny. can't. But he'd be all like, <laughs> I'm like, just take the hat does. off, and you're fine. That he he would if you had a hat on he would be like and he'd grab the edge of their jeans and grab and they're yeah. like is he attacking me oh, but like with kids and stuff I never had them I mean I think because they're thick so they could handle the little kids I guess is where like yeah. Lane and Lila when they were little with the pugs 
they could do whatever, and the pugs were just like, okay. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I had a Japanese chin mix that wasn't full-blooded, but he's like four pounds. Oh he did God. not handle that very well. I yeah. don't think so. so. Yeah, it's, it's just little dogs really aren't good for little kids when they're that small. Yeah. Because they're scared. It gets very scared. Mine would go hide under the bed. Well, it's like a giant. It's like yeah. And you know, because like you think kids. a two-year-old kid, well, they're little. Get me a little dog. You need a it sturdy to, dog. Yeah, I was gonna say it needs to be a thicker dog that can handle it. That's, that's what, what I, I guess that's sister. what I was saying. Like pugs are yeah. thicker and can handle kids. My sister was asking yeah. me, and she was like, "What do you suggest?" Because she's in DC. Beagles are good for and, that. And uh, she has a baby, so she like wants. I was like, "You need like a medium dog. Like you need like a dog who's like." Like a basset hound or something that has like that like, you know, is still stout enough to handle a little kid. But yeah, you know, I I don't I so don't typically a... like the designer mixed breeds, but I did like the Puggles. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a nice mix to kind of take away some of the health issues with a pug, mm-hmm. uh, but still give you some of their laid back personality and like <laughs> lay down when they get a certain age and just be a beached whale. And then tone down some of the beagle hyperness. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a good mix. But, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not really for that. But Yeah. I did. I was like, eh, that kind of makes sense. I'm just scratching her butt with my foot. And she's in and She's just oh, in yeah. heaven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I know we've been talking for a while. But maybe we'll do, like, two more. And then we can okay. do it. And we can finish it next week. We're going to try. The, the goal is to do this a weekly. So, Yeah. Y'all may have to swim home though. I oh know. My God. Are I we think, is that boring. really? No, I think it's they. Well, they've boring. been texting me because I think I think my Corolla might have got some water. Oh no! <laughs> but th- that's when my daughter was calling. Apparently, that's what she was calling for. Like, where are the keys oh, for the car? Oh, sorry for getting mad. Brittany. No, no, it's that okay. <laughs> no, we were teasing her about it because we thought it was Bruce at first, but he's home too. So I think. I think they got it moved. Okay. okay. My okay. street lights we to flood. I live right. Uh-huh. We can like stop it if you need to call them and start it. No, again. they just text and okay. said that okay. Bruce is home. They got. I mean, they found him, so cool. it, it's fine. If there's nothing I can do about it, yeah. it'll still be forty minutes to get home. That's so true. whatever, That's you know. True. It's like. I mean, now dropping me off. I'm glad I brought my rain boots. I know. Because I might have you to wait through it. I know. Well, that's why I put mine on because I was like, you know oh, what? Oh, you can wear them in the house. I didn't care about that. Well, no, but I, I just, well, it's fine. It's good. But you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I brought them for was because our street floods and I live right at the drain. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it doesn't get that's like why real bad. You know, yeah, they do. They swim. In a little pond. Now, when it rained like Harvey rain and mm-hmm. then we flooded everywhere, uh, I did learn. By the way, so if you're one of these people and you love animals and wildlife and stuff, if you have drains by your house and you've got flood that's going to sit for days, take the grates off. The oh. turtles, they oh. drowned. Oh. And I went, the I turtles. saw them and I went to get the grates off and it was too late because I didn't realize it, but now I know. And if the water sits for any length of time, I go and pull those grates off those drains because they drown. So just to FYI. Um, wow, the turtles, wow. they've got to breathe. So if they can't come up and they try to swim to those grates to get up, because that's normally where they would go. And they can't get up. Wow. So if you live by drains and there's grates and the turtles usually come around there, pull those grates up. Interesting. They, you just set it right there. They'll, they'll stay there until it's over. But yeah. So even my other neighbors, they all found out I had to go and fish like, I mean, some big red-eared sliders too. It was terrible wow. to see them that old dying like that. But 
Yeah, we got them all out. My neighbors were coming to get me to come get them. So I was so sad. But Aww. you learned something. Yeah. You know, I never would have thought that. I wouldn't have either. And, and and it's something that, you know, whenever you go through it, you're like, oh, you know, that makes sense. But yeah. you don't think about it. So I would never Because you would think, why that. wouldn't they just go back to the lake over there? Well, they, they're, they're panicked. They're trying to breathe. So yeah. I, yeah. So just in educational thing. Yeah. yeah. Good to know. Let the turtles breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag turtles. Turtles. <laughs> okay, so we'll do progressive return to owner and then large-scale transfer transport. So progressive return to owner are policies that prioritize reuni- reuniting people and pets before and after they enter the shelter. So examples are waived or reduced reclaim fees, empower animal control officers to have the option to return animals to their homes instead of bringing them to the shelter, um, return to, uh, oh yeah, it's return and field, proactive call, what does it say? Proactive call to possible owners, owner programs. Okay, so that's probably like, like low-cost spay-neuter, um, referring somebody to low-cost spay-neuter because instead of like taking the animal or something. Well, and, yeah. and also trying to help do things like fix fences or something like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so I like, yeah, yeah, so that's what, I mean, I think that's what they're talking about is anything that would cause that owner's dog to, or cat to be... A run, proactive run, yeah. solution. So yeah. they're trying to say, like, what can we do to get this animal back? Well, I, I would say, and Jen, you can probably speak to this more because you, you probably saw more of the field side, but um, a lot of dogs, I would say dogs, and, you know, we have our community cat program. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it or not. But dogs and cats, handling dogs and cats should be very different. And it is starting to be very different. They're very different animals. They face different things. Um, but I would say that a lot of the dogs that came in, not a lot, but there was a majority that were, like, return, repeat offenders. Is that oh, yeah. true? Yeah. Definitely. And then they would have trouble coming up with the money because the fees increase every time that they are back in the shelter. Yeah, and the fees... And that's a big deal. And the fees, and that's... I mean, you could go all day, and we could talk about this, but um, for those that don't know, if your dog's never been to a shelter, um, usually there's an impoundment fee, and then you have to pay for boarding per day. Um, And so if your dog sits in the shelter for a week, it can be hundreds of dollars to get them out. And some Mm. people are against that. Or if you have multiple dogs. Or if you have multiple dogs. Or if it's an after-hours call. um, In our area, if it's an after-hours call, that's an even more expensive impoundment fee. And I guess it increases every time they come back. Yeah. From my experience, that I don't know yeah, if that, that just, varies, yeah. but from what I've heard, it varies. So it's a possibility yeah. that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, and so. And people can't afford it. Yeah. So then they just give up their animal because they don't know what to do. And it's like, where does that fall? That falls kind of on, my, my opinion, both. As, as a community, I think we shouldn't be making it hard for people to get their dogs back. But right. at the same time, I understand They need that, to fix the issue that the dog keeps coming in. Right. And, I mean, yeah. it does cost to house an animal, and it costs to feed them, Absolutely. and you're paying staff. And so animal shelters don't, if you think animal shelters make money, you oh, are no. incorrect. No, no. Nobody's making money on your dog sitting in the shelter. Um, I know some people think that, 
but they're not yeah. not at all as a matter of fact even with all the fees they charge most of the time they try and still do the donations at, I mean the adoptions at lower rates and they yeah. try and and yeah it's, it's always in the negative there's no profit there I will say though I think as like a field animal welfare should if our kill if our if our goal is no kill we should try to find better ways than hitting people with money. I do like that tickets. some... I know when I was volunteering at the shelter, I heard some of the animal control officers trying to educate people on the correct way to do the runners mm-hmm. and, and help them and give them direction for it. And I love that. I, I love when they try, when they know that this person is not a bad pet owner. They just don't know. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Especially so, edu- there was one time that the law changed... I remember they had yeah. a handout that they were giving people to show the change in the, and, and it showed yeah, and and they were very helpful with people and and try and so I like when they do that because I do believe just because someone you know like we all say well that dog's probably got heartworms and we're probably right because people don't understand what heartworms are. My dog are. doesn't have worms in no, their No, yeah, and, and the thing then is, well, they're like, no, are. no, I got that flea stuff from Walmart, so they don't have heartworms, and it's like, see, but they're uneducated. They don't yeah. know, and, and uh, to, to just say, my husband, even until just recently, didn't really realize that it was just mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, they can get heartworms from fleas, and I'm like, where did you get, like... I mean, seriously, like... He was just thinking parasite. Yeah, he yeah. just... Well, he just... Because he never really asked the question. Yeah. So as much as we all know and talk about it, and I was, you know, like all this stuff, he never asked, is it just mosquito? He just thought anything that bites him gives him heartworms. Yeah. And then he was like, see, now I feel like I well, didn't that's know. Why, yeah, and I, I mean, uneducated, yeah, and I think I like the term. Not that it's that important, but in, not informed. They well, that's what uninformed. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Not educated on that specific thing. Not in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I mean, if you don't know something about, like, uh, the grain-free food. Yeah. There are issues with grain-free food, enlarging dogs' hearts. That's a fact. It's proven. Yeah. And yet people don't know. Mm-hmm. They, they keep shadowing this so that these people are feeding it to their dogs. And, and pushing it. And yeah, pushing and, it and, and, and it. so if you feed your dog that, please talk to your vet about getting a thing on your dog's heart. Uh, yeah. There are ways to manage it. If your dog has allergies, you can do it. There are ways, but work with your vet to do the right thing by your dog. So and But, I mean, that's just another thing where people just don't know. Yeah. Because no one's telling them. Right. And, and well, and I think that's almost, I think, and I, I don't think it happens all the time, but, like, somebody thinks, I remember I talked to somebody when I was at the shelter, and they'll call, and they're like, oh, my dog's there, and they're like, okay, great, well, I'm, I remember somebody was like, I'm fixing my fence, I'll pick them up in two weeks, and I was like, this is not a boarding <laughs> facility. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that's, no, 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 you don't want to do that, and they, and they weren't, they didn't mean anything bad by it, but they just literally did not. Understand. understand yeah and it was like no and I said you know if you pick your dog up in two weeks it's gonna be like a thousand dollars and they were like what and I'm like yeah no we're not that's not or how they this could is, choose not to do it yeah like this is not you know set up like get your fi- get your fence fixed like tomorrow you know but I get that that's not everybody's priority in life you know so well is. and they and, and they also don't get it so I mean some of these people live in places 
where they're not allowed to have the dogs in their house because they're renting or whatever, but they tell them they can have them outside. Or they grew up culturally, dogs were outside. And that's a big thing. We always, because we're animal people and our dogs sleep on our face, you know, like <laughs> they, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we just like, what do you mean you have your dog outside? What, what kind of monster are you? But really, <laughs> I mean, but dogs back, like when my husband's mom grew up, they didn't have dogs in the house. Mm-hmm. During the depression and stuff, they couldn't barely feed themselves. Dogs got scraps. This is how these people were raised. I mean, the dogs were meant to just be something fun for the kids to do and help guard the house. Yeah. They were not a family member. And so we changed the way that animals were looked at. We have to understand that people from other countries still think it's disgusting to have an animal in your house. And you're not going to convince them differently because that's how they've been raised their whole life when they come over here they're like you let your dog in the house your cat is up on your counter what is the matter with you cat litter was not invented till the 1940s see there you go and Mm -hmm. and and it's it so it's another thing to keep in mind when you're helping people with things like return to owner they don't they may not value the animal like you do so you have to talk to them understanding what they want from their animal and how we can help them to at least meet the requirements to yeah. hold on to that animal because they might love it but they just might love it outside they love it in a different way yeah, yeah. and so it's it's important to understand and recognize there are different ways and i think of again, ownership that is also as humans sometimes we put on these things where we're like oh i need to go save that dog from that situation it's like the dog has is having the time of their life. They get to be outside all day. They have this lovely dog house. They have people who love and care about them. People walk by and talk to me all the and time. And so you're saying and... it's better to go and take that dog and shove him in a shelter for four months? Like, that's not, you know, and that's kind of where the disconnect is. And as as people, sometimes we have to back away and be like, is this really the yeah, best the Is the, is the, the dog an intimate danger? Is, like, are we talking like it's choking itself? Yeah. Is the the collar embedded in its skin? I mean, right. what kind of do they have shelter? Do they have food? Do they have water? Okay, if they if that answer is yes, then if, I mean, if they have heartworms or anything else, we we can't go. And then until we're in a position to go give everybody this stuff, yeah, that's gonna happen. We're in the south. It's and we gonna happen. and we have to also be realistic that we're still in crisis. There's still animals who die every day just because they don't have a space to go. And so when you start throwing all of these things on there, it's like, yeah. And that's, that's when, when you're yelling at a shelter for being, um, a, Oh, 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 (laughs) (laughs) and that would be Ella telling Caroline, don't touch the camera. Ella never acts like this except for with my daughter Lily. You have okay, some bad there she juju. goes. Look, the other animals are staring at y'all like, "What did you do to Ella? We never piss her <laughs> off." Girl, it's girl. Okay. You know what's so funny is she doesn't even look. Willow's like, "Come here. What are you talking about?" I know they're best buds. They're like, "What? Why are you upset, Ella?" That's funny. <laughs> One of the animals finally got in on it. Other than Willow, because Willow kept coming around our feet. I don't even know if it's... LOL, it's not even still recording. <laughs> no, are you kidding? 
Well, we got the voice part, right? Yeah. We'll be a traditional podcast with just audio. We got like 40 minutes. It's fine. Well, I'll just like have it go where it's like technical. (laughs) It's a traditional podcast. Just put a a torty over there hissing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. Why do you not like her? She's my friend. Look at her. She is pissed. You know though. she. You know she gave no, you to me. I actually. Yeah, but you know what I think it is. I think because that's her area, and Caroline keeps yeah, going I up keep there. Going so she is. She's upset about that. Maybe. Yeah, I, because she wasn't hissing at us when she was over there and stuff. It's when we're over here that okay. she seems to be getting upset. See how she's going up and looking at her. She oh, is. She looking at me? Oh yeah, she's. Yeah. She was over there by the vacuum cleaner looking at you. She's under that. Oh my gosh. She reminds me of a little snake. With those, like, you know what I mean? Like she's fixing to strain. She's so beautiful though. That's the torty too. I know. Calicos and torties. Yeah. They do say, well, you know what? That's not true because they all do. I mean, really, no matter what they, because I've, I mean. Gilbert would never hiss at anyone. I had a black cat that for the first year of her life, I called her demon cat. She, I would be, when she was in our bed, Bruce and I were scared to go to bed. <laughs> she was going to bite us. We'll just stuff. sleep on the couch. No, we, I, y'all think we're joking. And it was Brittany's I'm not, cat. No, I know you're not joking. There's Brittany. Because Brittany, it was Brittany's cat and she would let it out. And it would like, seriously. And it was like, oh. And I'm like, oh, she's in the bed. And there was a time where she would pee on me when I was trying to sleep. She was just mean. She was just mean. Then you I got genuinely her... look so terrified right I now. I, it was terrible. But then when I got her spayed, it all stopped and yeah. changed completely. But I, yeah, that first oh, what year. A great story. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was it was <laughs> literally terrifying. Okay, I mean, I mean, Bruce is six two, and he'd go in there and he's like, <laughs> I guess it's not bedtime. <laughs> it's like, babe, get the cat. You get the cat. Oh my god! So yeah, but lucky enough, Brittany was still in high school, so we could make her go get a cat. But <laughs> funny. that's funny. She's still growling. I still hear her growling. I know. Oh yeah, she's just staring. Look at her. I'm sorry. I'm like slow blinking. Look, she's not accepting. No. She turned away. She she, she slow blinked back. I'm gonna make you love me, Ella. What's funny too is that you've been in my house before and had contact with Ella. I think she's right. I think it's because I'm, think it, I'm, on, moving, I'm in her space. And we're moving mm-hmm. everything around. And so then I kind of like, she was up there and I, I went to grab the camera and she was like, probably thought I was trying to grab her. Her stuff. Yeah. Oh, Gilbert, he's just hiding under the sink with the chemicals. Aww. <laughs> That's where he hides when he gets scared. Oh my God, poor Gilbert. <laughs> he thinks nobody wants this stuff. I'm safe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one is the large scale transfer transport. Developing and maintaining partnerships with outside organizations who will support your shelter's life-saving vision by helping to move animals from shelters to permanent homes. So, Lifeline, you know, is, I mean, we have a lot of programs and we want to build a lot of programs that support the community, but um, one of our biggest things and what our county needs is having programs where we can move animals quickly, Um, and especially large dogs. Um, and I mean, really large dogs, you know, we have our community cat program (laughs) and that's just going to take time, but we are working to build most most of the cities in Galveston County are partaking Mm -hmm. in a active TNR program to try and, you know, it takes time, but eventually 
yeah. the numbers will start stabilizing to where it will be manageable. Well, and, and like, if you, if you don't know when it comes to cats, and we should probably, we'll probably do like a whole thing on a community cat one day, on community cat program and like what it is, because it confuses people a little bit. But when you really explain it and break it down, it makes sense. But um, really the idea is that cats who are not owner surrendered shouldn't really be coming into the shelter to sit in a cage um, because they, you know, most of the cats that come into the shelter are community cats. There's between 30 and 60 million or between 30 and 100 million, I think, estimated cats that live outside without an owner. And those are the cats that are usually brought into the shelter. Nobody comes from them. There's a less than 2% return to owner rate for cats. That's a county statistic as well as a nationwide statistic. Um, dogs, it's like 20 to 25%. So we have our community cat program um, to address the cats, do spay, neuter, microchipping, help neighbors work out complaints with one another because cats are, you know, pooping in somebody's garden. We try to give them cat proofing assistance, that kind of thing. And again, that's probably one we'll go and talk about. But really the idea is cats aren't coming in, so you don't have to worry about cats dying. You have to worry more about kittens. We probably have to have some sort of support program for kittens because kittens are still going to come into the shelter. But the idea is you don't have all these cats sitting there, and then we can focus on the large dogs and... Yeah, and large dogs, I would say, specifically in our county, probably in most I think it's everywhere. Areas. I was going to say, I think it's almost everywhere because pits and chihuahuas mm-hmm. are in every state. And particularly the and, blocky and headed so dogs. And so even, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, even, well, yeah, pit mixes, mm-hmm. chihuahua mixes, any of those, every state has an abundance of those two. Yeah. So when we trans when people transport out of state, most of the time these people are like, we don't need any pit mixes or chihuahua mixes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have our own. And so people are like, why don't they take pits? It's not against the breed. Yeah. They just already, their shelter's loaded with them. They just don't have as much variety. Yeah. Uh, so they they take a lot of ours and adopt ours from, you know, these rescue groups that do adoptions to them straight to adoption because they need, they want a fluffy dog. Yeah. And they don't have any fluffy dogs in their shelter and they may not get one, but one a year. And there's a line of people, so they go online and go to things like Texas or Louisiana or any of your southern states that California, parts of California that are just overcrowded with animals. So well, you know, California is the highest kill state. A lot of people don't know that. Well, that's because they that. well they transport animals to California. So I was confused about that too because I thought that was weird when Helen Woodward mm-hmm. was taking them, and I was like, well, why? Are I they think that's probably them? why they stopped. I think they were like, oh, maybe yeah, we because that, yeah, because they're bringing them from another state, but that's a high. It that's used a to high be Texas. Pop, that's a highly populated Texas state. For many, 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 many years. And I think it was just like within the past two years, it flip flopped. And now California is the highest kill state, followed by Texas. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That is wild. Because, yeah, I always thought that was I mean, weird. Because I would they think are LA. Both large states. Well, no, and the thing is, well, yes, the, the states themselves are large, but you have some of the largest cities. So. That makes sense. I, yeah. I, I actually have to sit there and think to myself. You know, like some of the places, like Austin, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be quicker for them to get there than a place like Houston, because it's a lot smaller, right? Population wise, uh, but it's still doable. 
Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the northern states don't have as much problem because they get freezes that take out a lot of their, mm-hmm. sadly enough, take out a lot of their stray population. That's true. Yeah. So, they, you know, like when you have that polar vortex, we had a lot of the shelters up north asking all the shelters down here for cats. Because mm-hmm. they lost all their cats well, that were outside. Well, that's why um, I was told when I was working in the industry by people who are much smarter than me who've been doing it a lot longer, um, they would say, you know, when there's a hard freeze, um, kitten season is not as strong down here. When there's no hard freeze... It's booming. Buckle up. It's yeah. going to be a crazy kitten season, you know. So it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard that too. Yeah. Well, and it's because, I mean... You know, they're the weak ones that are out there, because we see it dealing with the community cats, and that's one of the things we talked about earlier, the diseases and stuff mm-hmm. that's going around. I mean, how many have we taken in that had to have eye issues and some eyes removed and stuff like that, even just coming in for the spay and neuter clinic? Right. And uh, how many more out there just like that that don't get the help and die? Yeah. You know, and, and so... Well, and there is. I mean, the kid mortality rate is still incredibly high if they're outdoors. It's just... It, it, that is, it is and has always been. But, yeah, kittens in the wild. But taking some of those cats and doing the transfer, transport to help, like, (laughs) places that can't keep them necessarily and teaching them how to set up a safe place. Like, hey, you want some working cats for your barn? That's great. We've got this cat. They got, like, 30 outdoor cats over here, and some of them are semi-friendly. They would do really good. Let's get them up there. But, you know, when it gets cold, make sure they have access to, so you don't lose your stray mm-hmm. cats. Well, and they are. I mean, there's people who take care of colonies all over oh, the yeah. country. Yeah. And they have, in the winter, they do the houses and the heating and all that. Yeah. yeah it's, I think, I guess, in the cities is probably where it's harder for people to do that. Yeah. cities. Yeah. Because out in the country, a lot of those, those cats will probably go find a barn on their own. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're pretty resilient. They find that hole that big and they're in. Yeah. Uh, in the city, though, it's a little harder. Right. Because... Yeah. I guess that I was on that lot. Like, I understood what you meant about the cold weather with the cats and stuff, because I've heard that with kitten season. But I really wasn't thinking that way. I never thought about that with stray dogs. Absolutely. It's but true. But that's so true. Like, yeah. They, yeah. They're going to yeah. freeze, too. Absolutely. And, I mean, when we had that big freeze here, it happened. Yeah. In Houston, some of the people, the street dog savers that I see... Mm-hmm. They went and they were, you know, they, they, they helped a family of animals that these people left out. And one of them froze to death. And, Gosh. you know, it, 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 they got there for most of the other ones, but one did not make it. And, you know, uh, they're hardcore and videotape it. And you see everything they see because they're not trying to sugarcoat anything. They want people to know what it's really like down here uh and, you know, people need to see that and understand what, when we tell you spay and neuter your animal, it's not just a catchphrase. Yeah. It, it really is because you do not understand. And if you see what's really out there and how it's really going down, you will understand nobody needs your pit mix, your shepherd mix puppy. Right. Uh, Nobody's going to pay you $500 for it. No, and, you, and your friend you that. that says they're going to pay you $500 for that puppy, what are you going to do with the other 10 Right. Yeah. Because you're not going to get $500 for your blue pit mix puppy from every person. And then you're going to be in Walmart parking lot trying to give them away, and then they get dumped. Mm-hmm. And then by then they have mange, parvo, 
and it becomes someone else's problem to watch them die. And it's it in it's terrible. And it's really a thing. It's not a catchphrase. Yeah. It's absolutely not a catchphrase. And it's also, you know, when we say no kill Galveston County, no kill County, no kill city, whatever it is, you can't just say, oh, you know, like you have to, you have to participate if that's what you really want, yeah. if that's what you really believe in. And to, then to go, don't put up oh, signs saying no kill. That shelter is yep. a kill shelter. Uh, yep. It's like, you're not, you don't see the problem. Yeah. And you're, you're just adding to it because you're and people that say they don't want to support because you don't know it's what a, you're talking because about. and and rescues that yeah, encourage that, that yeah and say oh that's a high kill that why would you do say you that? that do you know that though and, have and, you done well, your and, research before and you and open well, your and mouth? the thing right. is is that if they are Look in the mirror because you're the rescue that's supposed to be helping them not exactly be. so if they are Aren't you to blame for that? Because you are the ones that calling yourself a rescue. So you can't sit there and label the people next door when you're the one turning your back on them. Yeah. And 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 saying it's just their problem, not mine. Yeah. I mean, I. I okay. We don't want to get off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all know I'll start going. So I. But yeah. yeah. Uh, I I think everybody needs to come together. Uh, there is no such thing as a bad shelter. Uh, sometimes they are in bad conditions and they need help and we should help them mm-hmm. if they find themselves you know, in that possibly, situation. possibly, there can be poor leadership and that kind of thing. I will say Galveston County does not have poor leadership in their shelters. No. All the shelters in Galveston County have strong leaders no, and who I, believe yeah, and life-saving. And, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. I, I can't speak for all shelters in the world or right. anything, but I'm just saying, like, I, from my experience, they're all big-hearted people. Most of them in those environments, you know, they... They don't want anything but to save these dogs. When you see the pleas saying $5 adoptions till Friday, come get them, come get them, come. They're not kidding. Yeah. They really want you to come get these dogs. <laughs> They're not just trying to do this and, you know, people get on there and be like, don't do that. You need to check their background. No, we don't. We need them to get out. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we need them to get out because we don't want this to be a permanent thing. You know, if it's not a great fit, maybe they can come back, but let's make some room first. If you haven't walked into a freezer full of dead bodies of animals in trash bags and you you don't know and i didn't even do that but yeah no i, mean, I know yeah. but i'm just saying i don't like, want to yeah, yeah and it's i don't want to i've seen it reality. enough i remember yeah. the first time uh, because i was getting to know all the dogs and i was like i don't want anything to do with it and but i saw Rhonda. Mm-hmm. we'll never forget the dog Rhonda. and i told caroline i'm like are y'all getting ready to make a list and she was like yeah but i didn't want to say anything i'm like i have some names yeah and I did not want to, and it was the hardest thing I ever do, but I watched this sweet, timid dog do, like, I, I had a mom and her two daughters come in to look at dogs, and she was 30-pound dog. Super sweet. She, when they walked down the hallway, they were scared to death of her because of her behavior in a kennel. And I had never really paid attention to her change in behavior till that time. Yeah. Because I just was like, she was excited to see us. It never dawned on me how she was showing to people. And then um, I saw Miss Cindy get her out. And she jumped up and was kind of like, she was trying to be excited and playing, but it was becoming kind of an aggressive play. 
And she was so timid and sweet before, but that kennel craziness, and it's a real thing, and I had never seen it, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie, I kind of thought it was BS. I, I thought people were making it up as an excuse to put animals down, you know what I mean? Like, I ain't never seen that. Y'all are just trying to make it easier. Yeah. Uh, but I saw it myself, and the final thing for her was playgroup. Mm-hmm. When I took her out for playgroup, and she started bullying and attacking other dogs for no reason. Yeah. Uh, the complete change in like four months' time. It went from the most adorable, sweet dog to people being scared of her. I mean, you know, there's a 100 pound dog next to her and they're more afraid of the 30 pound dog that something's wrong. Right. Something's wrong. And, and it's important to also notice that. Yeah. People absolutely. need to notice that because it is a real thing. They do. I mean, they're sitting in a kennel for. Hours, oh, days. Yeah. yeah. And and it and, and uh, I've made bad judgments on dogs and thought that they would be okay. Remember country? Oh yeah. Uh, I, we all thought he was a great dog and no. He just he was so low key, but he didn't engage very much, we couldn't read him right. Yeah. So it's another thing to always keep in mind. We don't know. When you go into a shelter to ask, they're doing the best they can. Help them. Help yeah. them by, you know, go out and spend time with the dog. Let Take them know. Yeah, them. I mean, yeah. do something to help because it's really the transports, transfer, fostering, all that stuff, returning donor, photos help with every aspect of that. Absolutely. People getting out in the yard. Because some people can't tell if that's their dog. When yeah. looking at a picture of it through the cage or ducked under the thing in the animal control truck. Or in the vet's office, scared with its ears tucked back and the colorings off. Yeah. Uh, it, it, if you, and more people that help with all of the shelters, the more we will achieve all those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it went great. Yay. Well, next Monday. Hopefully. Yay. Yay. <laughs> all right. Maybe next time my animals won't... Yeah, um, they will. Cauliflower just took a huge shit behind y'all. I smelled Willow, it. And Willow's been trying to He's climb like, in there and get it. <laughs> is that But really? see, the thing was is that she was trying to get in her cage so and she could shut, use her litter yeah. box and it was shut. So she's like, okay, I'm going to.